You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to SpotCast, episode number eight. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Jonathan Kuline from Mississauga, Ontario. Pleasure to be here. Alrighty. Okay, so let's dive right into the fact check. So we're doing fact check for episode four of our podcast, right, Jonathan? Uh, episode five? five. I want to say five. five. Let's five. do episode five instead of four. Then. Let's just jump at Yeah, episode five. We're going to do episode five. Not much this week. Well, five is kind of short, so maybe we can do five and six and get the and get almost caught up. Hey, what do you think? Hey, I'm I'm ready if you are. Again, all right. You guys are clearly the game is stepping up here. So uh, yeah, all right, okay, all right. Give her episode five. So three twenty in. Uh, you guys were asking about uh, whether there were more than one woman was more than one woman on the bridge for the first episode of Star Trek. The first official episode of Star Trek, The Man Trap. Uh, Uhura was on the bridge, but not Janice Rand. So we have one woman on the bridge for the first episode. And yes, I did actually go back and watch the first episode just to confirm that. Uh, Twenty. 715, Jason Isaac's TV show set in the Middle East that Tim was referring to is called Dig. That's right. Dig. Uh, 2903, Vulcan Martial Art is Sus Mahana. Sus Mahana. Mana. Yeah. Mana, Mana. Uh, and then uh, Jaime was asking about uh, the crimes that were committed by uh, Tom Paris and Ro Laren. So I looked those up and so I managed to piece those together. So 3635, Tom Paris was court martialed by Starfleet after confessing to falsifying records regarding a shuttlecraft accident that killed three officers. He was a mercenary pilot working for the Maquis when he was captured by Starfleet, apparently on his first mission. He was tried and convicted of treason, and that's where we find him at the beginning of Voyager. Uh, Ro Laren was posted to the USS Wellington when she went on a away mission where she disobeyed orders, resulting in the death of eight crewmen. She was court-martialed and imprisoned, and that's that's the crimes that they're guilty of. Mm-hmm. So, but the, Ma- the Maquis was the name of the of the rebel guys that we couldn't remember the name of, That's right? it. That's it. Yeah. I thought Ro, Ro Laren was a Maquis. Uh, hmm. I think she does actually 
one point believe maybe Jaime will have a he's he's clearly got a better yeah. memory for this. Yeah, that's in the seventh season. It's it's really close to the end where I think again she's sent on some sort of mission where she's supposed to infiltrate and she ends up deciding to go with the Maquis. Yeah. She, um, she does a pretty good job of infiltrating Battlestar Galactica too, if I remember correctly. No, you're not gonna go there. No, I don't remember. <laughs> 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 um it's kinda interesting between Tom Paris and, and Rolaren. So from what I recall, I think Rolaren's character was intended to be um the Bajoran character on Deep Space Nine. You're absolutely and, right. Yep. She was gonna yeah. be the character that became Kira Norris. Mm-hmm. The character Rolaren or the actress? Well they they offered it to her, Michelle Forbes, the actress, and she didn't want to do it. So they decided to recast and so they gave a similar but not same backstory to uh the character who became Kira Norris. Kira, yeah. yeah. Right. And Tom Paris is an interesting one too because he's played by um what's his name? That guy from that show. Tom Paris. McNeil? Uh, something McNeil. Robert Duncan McNeil. That's the one. Mm-hmm. And his background, as just described here in the fact check, is very similar already to uh, Nick Locarno, who was also played by yes, that's, the same actor. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was a great episode, too. That was the one where, where he gets he tries to get Wesley and a bunch of other cadets in trouble. Yeah, basically to cover up for uh, something that he did that was, yeah. Was it a shuttlecraft accident by any chance? It was not, but it was similar where they were going to do some sort of um, flight demonstration and they were going to oh, do right. this yeah. yeah, they got a pilot tool trying to do a, a, a flyby maneuver or something. Right, right. So I'm a little surprised they didn't just make him that same character. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're all supposed to forget that that was the exact same guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our last even. note from uh, episode 5, uh, 4716, uh, Jody Whitaker. You were uh, fishing around for the name of the doctor, mm-hmm. which you can be forgiven for considering uh, I know you're not a Whovian. Uh, yet, I mean, uh, so mm-hmm. she'll be the thirteenth Doctor on Doctor Who starting uh, Christmas. I guess will be the first episode we'll see her in. Right, and they just so it's just named three new characters who are her quote unquote air quotes friends, not companions. I right? saw that. Yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting that they're starting with that many characters right off the hop. But uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do we want to jump right into the uh, episode six fact check since we're yeah, let's do episode six since we since, uh, so where are we getting like more accurate or something? What's what's going on? Here? Well, I think it'll also might be uh, uh, the fact that you have an on-the-fly fact-checker checking things oh, as we go. Like, that that might true. be helpful, although uh, that being said, we'll start with the, the first fact-check on here, which is both uh, you and I got this wrong. So, uh, we mentioned it last week's episode, the 823 into this episode 6, the director of Blade Runner 2049 is Denis Villeneuve, not fellow Canadian Denis Arcand. So, uh, that was, I'll, I'll make a couple on that one, and, and I think Tim followed suit on me for saying that the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1450, complete collector's edition blu-ray set of blade runner contains five versions of the film the final cut the theatrical version the international version that's the one with the eye gouging uh the director's cut and a work print version of the film so the eye gouging is not in the other in the final cut for instance it's in the final cut and it's in the uh i think it's in the director's cut as well but it's not the original theatrical cut doesn't have that uh oh the theatrical version is the one with with the that's the the voice the voiceover and the happy ending yeah 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 i don't know if it was on this podcast or another one but i i I had heard that uh, Terry Jones from Monty Python had written the voiceover parts, but um, it turns out it was wrong. It's written by another person, which you can fact check next week. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Uh, 2222, Security Chief Landry's rank on Star Trek Discovery is slash was Commander, since she is no Commander. longer with the show. Uh, 
2843. This was interesting. Takuvma's ship is never explicitly named so far in uh, Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek.com refers to it as the sarcophagus, which is mm. a cool name. Uh, of course, for a ship character. Could be all the dead, dead bodies, bodies on the yeah. front of it. Yeah. <laughs> Very reminiscent of the Reavers, right? Yeah. And yeah. uh, 5114, the original Pacific Rim is set in 2025, and Pacific Rim uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, the new film's coming out, is set about 10 years later. Right. And that's somebody, um, uh, what's Idris Elba's son, apparently, the or the character, yeah. right? Yep. Is in the new one. Yep. So we're not going to get uh, Charlie Hunneman, Hunneman, is it? Hunnam. Hunneman? Hunnam. 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 Charlie? He's not going to be in it, I guess. That's a good question. I, I must admit, I haven't looked at the list. I've watched the trailer. but Maybe he'll be the crusty old uh, Navy guy that, like, you know, hurls in insults at them and stuff right yeah right like the movie dodgeball where he's like if you can dodge a boulder you can dodge a kaiju sort of thing <laughs> all right and the last one are you, are you gonna put that one last one in there is the last one's yours yeah all right well uh i think oh did i say this I, no this is this is my from last week right I, yeah oh well, i think you might have covered this one but we'll, we'll say it anyway so tim uh yeah. he actually said the director's cut is his favorite version the final cut of blade runner is actually his favorite that's true yes. that's true but I, and you know it's funny having gone back into watch blade runner a second time this weekend um i noticed that the they they really enhanced the sound in the final cut and i got to see the final cut in the theater about three years ago you know in a place with good, good uh, sound and the very first sound you hear in in um in blade runner it, the original one is is kind of a thump or a big you know crash um you know, something heavy hitting the ground kind of thing right and that's the same sound you hear in oh spoiler for jaime oh no i ruined the very first second of the movie for him that was probably the key to everything too <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally, man. No, yeah. The only thing's missing from the from the new one is that green tree that you know the 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 lad company tree that renders uh, like a CRT screen and the very you know the I just every time I see it, that's kind of like you know when you see Lucas Arts or Lucas Films you kind of know oh you know it's going to say a long time ago in a galaxy far far away soon right mm-hmm. um, whereas you know the so for me seeing that tree render itself is sort of to me is the beginning of Blade Runner even though it's probably used in a thousand other movies too or hundreds of other movies I guess yeah it's funny how those little cues it's we actually become pretty used to those familiar sounds i still can't when we go see the new disney uh branded star wars films i still want to say yeah. the rump bump rump bump yeah. it just doesn't seem- we get tinkerbell at the beginning of those i don't remember yeah no they've actually they've been very good about just starting up with the lucasfilm logo they do not disneyfy it they don't right. put the magic kingdom in there just because i think people would be shocked to see that hurling popcorn at the screen yeah yeah, yeah. so was that in fact we're done fact check for episode six and seven uh well, we were caught up we, we we haven't done seven we did five and oh, six seven. right okay okay sure we'll, we'll save seven for next week right no it's up to you we can if you want to just knock them all out we only got five uh, corrections what do you think it. what do you think honey it's only a few more <laughs> all right let's, good to let's, catch up. let's do it okay let's do it all okay, right go. here we go fact check episode seven uh so 30 minutes 43 seconds the number on the hull of the title ship in star trek enterprise is nx01 the enterprise from the original series and the first three theatrical films is ncc 1701 uh, we we're having a discussion about uh what the number is yeah, a or b or whatever yep. yeah. uh 3520 transformers the movie i was using when i saw this as a child august 1986 and i did uh, actually see it when i yeah, when it came out in 1986 uh 4618 the group that rebelled against the united federation of planets by attacking the cardassians the cardassians is called the, the cardassians Mach- no no the Car- <laughs> if only we could get <laughs> <laughs> attack the Cardassian. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, is called the Maquis. We we talked about that just in one of our corrections a, a minute ago. And uh, fifty one ten. Some of the holy books. We were talking about the holy books that you saw pile 
piled up there. I looked and I looked and I looked and I looked. The only really? three that I could actually confirm are the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Quran. I cannot wow. find out what the other three books are. I've looked on so many websites this last yeah. week trying to find out what they are. I, I, I stopped short of falling back on my journalistic training to ask the people at the court office, but I didn't go that far. Wow. wow. So, well, I can tell I can I can verify or testify, I guess, that that one of the books that somebody swore on was the Bahat Gita. That's the uh, I don't know if it's an Indian holy book, but it's a, a book of yeah. Indian religion stuff, yeah. right? Hindu, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't. So I, again, I didn't really know. I, and there was a, you know a couple of people swore on the Quran, and um, I don't remember a couple of people. A couple of people asked for the Bible, but I don't know. If there's clearly two Bibles here in this case, right? Yeah, I don't know if there's an Old Testament, New Testament, and I don't know. Is there another version? Well, I was raised Roman Catholic when I was a young child, so the New Testament was the quote-unquote air quotes her- holy book for us, yeah, and the yeah. Old Testament was more Anglican, Protestant, or whatever you want to call those people, right? Yeah, yeah. More yeah. the King James Bible, like I said last week. Yeah, I still like your idea of the uh, Dianetics being one of the ones available. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 55-55, our last correction of the week. The super buff Ricardo Maltoban was 61 years old when he filmed Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, chest muscles and all. Wow, yeah. That's a buff 61-year-old dude. Sure, for sure. All righty then. So let's move on to the FU. So Jaime, you have a small piece of FU here, which is maybe news to our fans. I don't know. Yeah, it should be of interest. Um, so it was announced that CBS will bring back Star Trek Discovery for season two. Um, that's not to be confused with the fact that season one is going to be split between two different years where they're going to take a little bit of a break come uh, sometime in November, and then they'll start right back up again in January. This is actually an additional season beyond the original planned episodes. So that's good. Yeah, just to, I was going to skip skip ahead just to our um, some of the notes I gathered from uh, Inner Space, which I watched, you know, started watching this week. Um, apparently, one point two, an average of one point two million viewers per week in Canada is, are watching uh, Star Trek Discovery on the Space Channel, and that's the most watched show in specialty TV history. Although I don't know what specialty TV history means, but or specialty TV means, but I guess it's because it's like a like Home and Garden Network or Learning Channel or yeah. in this case Space, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't so, think I don't think they're throwing down with the sports channels or CBC. Yeah, they're not they're not beating the Hockey Night in Canada kind of numbers. Yeah, right? no, no, and I don't think they're beating the uh, tragically hip special or any of the right, right. moments. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for the perspective, uh, Jaime, um, the tragically hip. The, what did we say? There was thirty four million people in Canada right now, yeah. and something like eleven million of them watched the tragically hip uh, show when it was first broadcast. Yeah, wow. So and they, one in every three Canadians was doing that. They and they weren't yeah. even documenting that. That didn't take into account the people who gathered to watch it to who watched it together in bars and in their houses and like it that might be a conservative estimate for the number of people that actually watched it the place where they they played was a small theater in kingston or a small arena in kingston and and i think it held it had six thousand seats in it and there's a big sort of open uh, area out in front of this place and it was packed with like ten thousand people watching it on big giant monitors outside of the theater right so yeah kind of a big deal i wonder what the american parallel i was thinking about that what would the american parallel be if if Barack Obama's what, no, but uh, what artist, what what <laughs> musician would move Americans to gather in that way if they knew that this was the last chance to see? Like, I, I was yeah. thinking Springsteen. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know who has that resonance for an American audience. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it's such a big country too, right? There's so many people out there. Yeah, well, they million, do have probably. 220 million more people than us, but yeah, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of the ones who come to mind as people who could have done it have unfortunately passed away. Yeah, right? like, like like if you knew Mike. Oh man, this is Michael Jackson's last one because he's going to die. Oh, unfortunately, yeah. Like that would be one I think. 
think it would be equivalent in size. Well, Bowie for, and Prince, yeah. like people we've lost recently. Yeah, but in retrospect, you know, just coming back to Michael Jackson, people didn't really like Michael Jackson before he died. If you remember, oh, he right? still had a rabid fan. Base. No, I know he had rabid fans, and you know, you know, you know, like that. But, but at the time, he he owed a bunch of people money, and yeah, it wasn't wasn't looking good for him, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to say who would who would be the who would be the uh, the draw. Freddie Mercury would probably would have been another one like that, right? But uh, of course, we didn't know he was dying at the time. Yeah. Um, hmm. Hard to say, eh? Yeah. I guess and, a, a Beatle. And who a goes Beatle? out with that like announcement too? Like who? Not only is it like you know, hey, we're we're breaking up the band. Like maybe the Rolling Stones. You know, they've been promising they're going to go away for yeah. like twenty five yeah. years now. But you know, maybe they go on a final tour at some point. You know, they're in their seventies. Maybe they're finally like, hey, this is really the one. Maybe there's you know that upswell of yeah. But like your your mom and your grandmother wouldn't necessarily go to that. You know what I mean? Like like that's the the difference between the hip in Canada and I mean like everybody went like kids went old people like it was all generations were were and and this last week you know just people for, uh, doing tributes to your dad in fact yesterday evening they had a big sing-along with choir 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 yeah. at nathan Pope square which apparently filled the place up it right did, it did oh yeah. yeah it's crazy man yep we're downy for prime minister yeah. well i think we can say he was uh you know he was canada's poet he he, he loved this country yeah, in a very sure. special way that resonated with us and, and yeah i think it uh it clearly moved the country to to know that he was going and then to say goodbye to him so yeah it's, it's yeah it's sort of an odd quirky kind of way like his poetry was just it was off the wall in such a way that that only canadians kind of or canadians get the humor right yeah maybe maybe yep anyway that's quite the right. side but you know yeah so the so the uh the other piece was uh follow-up here is for me was uh, starship enterprise and jonathan kind of spoiled it for me because he just went through all that stuff in the in the uh the thing back um but yeah so but uh the idea of the enterprise in star wars or story yeah, wow. wrong show star <laughs> star trek star trek yeah star trek uh history so the enterprise was of course the first the non-powered flight of the space shuttle the official actual nasa space shuttle that, that they flew they you know they dropped it off a plane and had it land it had no no engines was the enterprise yep. um, never never went into space as it were like the uh the other the other five i think that they had um hey maybe you can spot, uh, fact check that one and, uh, i mean there's the yeah. space and then there's like deep space which might be the difference to, that's like, true that's didn't true. go into well, I mean, interstellar space yeah i mean like orbit to the space station and stuff like that right so because you know the columbia discovery atlantis challenger challenger columbia. thank you columbia oh, i say columbia already uh, discovery discovery yeah. what do you know the show named after that um and then of course there's a fictional enterprise from 2130 which you know none of us can be around to see if that actually comes to be and then of course yeah like nx01 yeah, weird picture oh that's the jonathan archer's uh enterprise right yeah and then 1701, 1701A was from when? Oh, the Voyage Home. Um, and then the, the Excelsior one, the Excelsior retrofit, um, that was the N- NCC 1701B. That's the one that, uh, remember Scotty was like bad-mouthing the Excelsior class, like, you know, uh, a few movies before? Yep. I guess uh, I guess Wrath of Khan maybe, right? Because um, Wrath of Khan was, no, it was a Search for Spock where they had to go and steal the uh, steal an Enterprise. That's right. They, they, they hotwire and break the other one, right? Right, right. And then, um, um, hmm, there's one here from the uh, next generation, I guess. Uh, uh, That's the one where we see it come through a wormhole and uh, encounters the C versus the D, right? That's the right. Yeah, yeah. Tasha Yar was on it. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And that's where we get the uh, Tasha Yar Romulan character from. Oh, is that? Oh, because she's the kid, or because whatever, yeah. or she, she mm-hmm. gets captured from the alternate timeline by the Romulans, and then is her Tasha from that timeline ends up with a Romulan who ends up having a kid who ends up 
up being that kid that shows oh, up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. so that's how she had her, her how she came back. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Also, Denise Crosby's film career tanked. That's true. Oh, is that why she left the show? But she went. Yeah, she, she thought she was going to go off to fame and fortune, and and uh, didn't be all that. Yeah. So anyway, if you're interested, we'll put the link in the show notes. There's, there's even more enterprises to talk about there. You know, because there's some more from other movies. Uh, there's also the uh, Kelvin timeline enterprises, which are the ones that are the J.J. Abrams universe, as we like to call it. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's uh, follow up on the Starship Enterprise, which, by the way, got a shout out in this particular episode. Yeah. Right? When uh, when Michael Burnham refers to it as a Constitution, you can try and find a ship like a Constitution class like the Enterprise. So, yeah. So let's talk about uh, spoiler warning. We're going to talk about episode number six now of season one, episode number six of Star Trek Discovery, the episode called Lease. Or, yeah, I'm going to go with Lease. L-E-T-H-E, which is apparently the name of a character from the um, Dagger of the Mind, the one where the in the original series, I think probably a fifth or sixth episode in, where they have a machine that can erase your brain on the prison planet, or the prison, you remember that one? Where Kirk gets put in the chair and they try and erase his brain? No? No, no it's not, not coming to mind. <laughs> but I'm less familiar with, uh, if that was a TOS episode, I'm a little bit less familiar yeah, with for sure, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so right off the bat we meet adjunct Vlak, Vlatak, who turns out to be um, you know, we're making fun of this on, on um, well, just about every show I've seen so far has been making fun of it, uh, about the logic extremists, because that kind of doesn't, that's like an oxymoron, right? Uh, who who think that uh, Sarek's way of uh, of merging with the humans is, is bad for Vulcan lore and they should stay pure and all that kind of stuff, just like, I don't know, every other civilization in uh, Star Trek, it seems. Um, yeah, so I, you guys want to jump in and do a recap or what? Well, anyway? well, sure, I, mean, I thought you were starting it, sorry. <laughs> okay, well, I, I can continue, yeah. So we, so in in the beginning, uh, the new our newly found pal, uh, yeah, Captain Lorca and and Ash are you know reenacting or practicing again, uh, shooting uh, um, Klingons on a fictitious bridge in the holodeck, which again didn't appear in the, the first in the original series. Which I'm going to scratch my head again. Well, let's, let's take a little segue on that one, okay? Because yeah. I've seen a lot yeah. of uh, stuff. Um, on the interwebs, as they might call it, mm. regarding this. So from what I recall from seeing in that episode, it seemed like it was a little bit much to call it the holodeck because it didn't seem like it was quite as expensive. Right. Um, it, it seemed like a shooting gallery that they were in that, that can okay. simulate via holographic means certain things. But I think it looked like one of those like VR games I've played at um, at conventions where you can only stay in this little square. And yeah, it looks right. like I'm playing like Doom or something, you know, and it looks like I'm actually shooting things but it's actually quite a bit of limitation. Like I can't grab objects. I can't climb, you know, mountains and that sort of thing. So I think right, right. that might be what it was. And I really hope they limited it to that because then I'll, I'll just look really bad with this explanation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so uh, he um, kind of announces to him, Captain Lorca does, that he's going to make Ash chief of security, the new chief of security, right? Um, yeah, and there's a bit of a, uh, what's the th- word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. Um, where he has some, how many shots? He, how many kills he had and and uh ash says uh, 22 and uh, lorca said 24 when in fact he actually shot 36 so so we can determine that ash is either uh bootlicker or uh mm-hmm. very good political or humble yeah humble well yeah yeah doesn't mm-hmm. want to show up the captain no so yeah this vulcan faction is against this failed experiment that they call the federation which is what they say and oh by the way we get to meet amanda grayson for the first time which is another torontonian yep. mia kirsch 
Kushner. Yep. Um, who who knows? Jaime may have a can't be carrying a torch for her in no time at all, too. Yeah, I, I, a little bit because you know, for a split second when they first showed it on the screen, I thought he was Amy Adams. <laughs> oh, really? You know, like, like, like yeah. your sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I'm General Cole. Now we meet General Cole again. Um, drawing a blank. That's a Klingon, right? Yep. Yeah, that's the guy with the like the red makeup or oh, yes. slash yeah. coming down his yeah. eyes. Yep. from his eyes to like down his cheeks, I guess. Yeah, what's our guy in in um, Force Awakens called with the stormtrooper helmet with the our hero? You know, the guy who the very Finn? beginning, the one who doesn't want to be a stormtrooper anymore. Finn. Finn. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it reminds me of that with the sort of red streak across the face there. So yeah, they haven't explained it, but I assumed it was some sort of like war paint is the equivalent that came to my mind. War paint or okay, or some sort of tattoo or something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's hard to tell because they're as far as I can remember, I don't remember seeing other Klingons with that, so it doesn't yeah. seem like it's necessarily something that everybody has. Yeah. So and and instead of on the holographic uh, projection, we get to meet uh, Admiral Catherine Cat Cornwall in the flesh, and of course, so does uh, Captain Lorca. Right? Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> they do in fact um, meet. Don't they? In the flesh, yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then uh, apparently there's a Vulcan expeditionary group. So the episode centers around the fact that, that um, Sarek gets blown up by this faction on his way to a peace treaty uh, or, or talks at uh, the Cancri 4 system with this adjunct Balak who, who blows himself up in order to uh, to uh, sabotage the mission. Um, and they have a little bit of a dialogue about it. But anyway, so uh, because of um, Sarek having given Michael Burnham part of his chakra um she kind of senses that he's in trouble and in peril and starts to vision have visions about this particular time when he was forced to make a decision and he, he fabricates the truth in explaining to amanda and uh, michael burnham that she didn't get picked for this uh, vulcan expeditionary group so uh we, but we find out through later um meetings with the uh michael burnham goes back into the chakra to try and uh, figure out what he to try and get a hold of him and get him to wake up and turn on his uh his beacon to be rescued his rescue be- emergency beacon right yep. so and uh, yeah so this uh we find out through the story that uh, in fact he was meant to choose uh, he was given a choice between uh his completely human stepdaughter or ward and his half human son spock uh one only one of them could go on to become part of this vulcan expeditionary group and uh in a moment of uh, frailty i would say sarah chooses Spock and, uh, and then Spock goes and uh, does the typical teenager, teenage Vulcan son thing and goes off and joins Starfleet instead, right? So yeah. so the, the angst here is that uh, Sarek has had to, you know, bury this this uh, conceit, that's what I was looking for, about um, not having about Michael Burnham not really being uh, selected or even in the running. Yeah, and they gave us a little bit of clarity on something that I was a little bit confused on from the first episode where they show the attack on the I don't know, like the learning center, like the school. I, I hesitate to call it a school because it seems like they're just like in a in a testing center of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Um, the little the little bubble things that they sit in. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah, that, like, that's their school. That's how they go to school. Yeah, where it's like they're taking the SATs constantly, sort of thing. And yeah. um, we see the the destruction, and Sarek um, ends up saving Michael Burnham's life as a child, and that plays into this episode with the uh, what do they call it, the Katra link? Um, yeah. Because I I got confused because they in that first episode it talked about the fact. 
fact that um, her family was killed in a Klingon attack. And I just thought she was in another Klingon attack uh, this time, like on Vulcan or something, because it was so close. But in this case, it turns like, no, 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 it was the Vulcan extremists who had attacked the school, presumably <laughs> because uh, she was there, right? So it was a, a, a terrorist attack. Yeah, yeah. Another one, I guess, too, right? Maybe the same faction or something or a similar faction. Right. Who knows? Maybe it was those guys from um, the Orville since they had the week off. They came and decided to attack. <laughs> Well, my mind immediately went to the uh, the character from Star Trek Six, right? In Star Trek Six, we have this Vulcan who allies herself with, you know, uh, aliens. In her case, who mm-hmm. wants to follow it, the logical path because she thinks that peace with the Klingons is the wrong way to go. Right, so right. It's again that sort of taking logic to its extremes kind of viewpoint. I wonder if they're uh, going to draw any parallels there. So, Star Trek Six is the undiscovered country you're talking about. I right? am, yes, the Kim Cattrall which character. Is, which is, yeah, which is one of my favorite um star trek movies yeah that's a great one yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love the i love the uh christopher Plummer line who is canadian by the way um <laughs> when, when he says you have to listen to shakespeare in the original thing on yeah. i love that line yeah yeah i mean i didn't like the part where they were on the the the, the, the penal colony and all that kind of stuff but i, I really like the character played by uh another canadian um who played uh, uh Vulcan. what's her name kim cattrall yeah. cattrall yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. kim cattrall playing valeris valerin valeris. valeris yeah 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 and, and, and they the, actually yeah. included that character because they wanted it to be Savick, the character they established in the previous films. But uh, when they uh, when they wanted it to be that character, they offered it to the actress who had played that part. And she did not like that idea. They actually offered Cattrall the role of Savick. She would have been the third person to play that movie in three mo- in three movies. So they decided, uh, you know what? Let's just create an entirely new character for that one too. Yeah, yeah, okay. sounds good. I think the highlight of the episode for me was definitely the disc go t-shirts <laughs> yeah which i think are available on uh, star trek.com's shopping site if i'm not mistaken if they are not they are really missing an opportunity because the number of people i saw on social who were like where can i drop my money down for a disco t-shirt i gotta have one of those but you know that's one of those those nerd traps you know if you get one of those shirts sure enough people are just gonna think you're a disco fan yeah i wonder if it's just subversive enough and it becomes sort of an icebreaker for people to be like why are you wearing a disco thing? Is disco coming back? Are you into disco? What's what's going on? Yeah, I think again. Oh, let's see here. Shop.startrek.com. I, I think we've got it here. Let's see what a disco t-shirt runs you. I bet you they're like $24.95 or $29.99. They, they are $26.95. They split the difference for you, Jaime. $26.95 American. So they'd be a little little cute, little bit more for Canadians. But they do have the, uh, the crests on the shoulders and the official Star Trek label inside. So uh, all it says is disco and the trademark logo cool hopefully they're uh, they're of a nice quality yeah i I, what i want to see is them expand right into the running line because you know i thought uh burnham and tilly were were making that look good they were out there doing their exercises and uh having you know life lessons as they go that was good now i wrote down may fortune favor the bold is that something that um lorca says at some point during the show or is that or that was that um sarek Hmm. i don't remember that part yeah i'm not sure what that was either it almost sounds like an episode title too Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, we we kind of uh, we hinted at the fact that Lorca got together with the the admiral because they have a, a past. Uh, we didn't go that much into sort of what ended up happening there, right? Where she's right, obviously concerned about him both as a uh, as a friend and as her superior, and kind of wondering like, all right, like, are, are, are you really okay? Like, you've gone through.
through a lot of traumatic stuff recently and she kind of suspects that he's uh, not quite ready for command again regardless of what the psych um, psychiatric evaluations say mm-hmm. and well, he, he faked it or something well he, yeah, yeah. he interrupted it with a bottle of scotch and a, a, a knowing wink to try and get her into uh, into bed he's, right, he sort right. of disrupts it with you know hey I'll, I'll look cute and Jason Isaacs like at you and and uh, of course they end up in rolling in the hay and then mm-hmm. it's not until she, uh, she reaches over at one point and she sees the scars all over him she goes to touch one of them and of course he freaks out jumps up and pulls a phaser on her and makes her realize okay this guy's got some serious you know post-traumatic stress going on and justifiably so having to previously as we established last week you know he he mentions that he had to kill his entire crew to avoid the capture by the Klingons right. Klingon torture yeah and the thing that, that triggers her appearance she says is that she questions the fact that he appointed Burnham to the to the to the team that's the thing that really you know how could you bring a mutineer on board your ship and give her a position and and so that's why she comes to investigate and then of course when he flips out she says well that's it for you i'm i'm gonna find a way to get you off the ship you're not gonna be the captain anymore right and then conveniently um spot or sarah can't go to the uh to this peace peace talk so he i guess she's the only senior federation person around so he sends her willingly off to the to the talks and then when uh it turns out that it's a trap and she gets captured um he doesn't do what he normally does which is rush in and save her he kind of goes you know maybe we should wait for orders from starfleet yeah. which I, clearly i mean people were guessing about that but i think definitely he's he's playing the playing his hand here right by uh getting her out of the way too right perhaps yeah. the only way that could have been more overt is if he'd given her a red shirt as a parting gift <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah. that was my thought too i was like oh she's dead for sure i, <laughs> I didn't yeah. know i was like oh she is dead for sure like in a shuttle accident <laughs> but that, oh, did you think that when, as they were leaving kind of thing uh, i don't remember oh, the exact she, sequence. Oh, right. i don't i don't right. think they'd had sarek yet by that point or they hadn't, they hadn't mentioned that he was unable to continue his oh, duties no they did they did at that point yeah, they had established they that he was right. she was gonna have to go in his stead and she basically said when i get back we're gonna have to talk about how we're gonna phase you out as captain he was like yeah have a nice flight here's this red shirt out you go yeah 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 speaking yeah. of red shirts though by the way there was a trontonian named nick stonovic Stojanovic, yeah, Nick Stojanovic. Stojanovic. If it's, yeah, there was like a kicker in the NFL named Stojanovic. Mm-hmm. Well, it's similar name is S T O J A N O V I C. Anyway, he was wearing a red shirt on the Detmer, and I think he's one of the people that they get, they get uh, didn't make it back. So this is uh, we talked about that, you know, jokingly, and I think the Detmer was that episode where they found Kitty Cat, right? Yep, the tardigrade. Yeah, so that was a Torontonian actor who probably you know could use the shout out, I guess. <laughs> so last week we talked about uh, you and I, Tim. We had a discussion about you know how we were supposed to interpret Lorca's actions when he right. ditches Harry Mud in and leaves him behind on this Klingon ship to be tortured and and we've already established the Klingons are pretty savage in that way they they torture their prisoners they kill people who cross them uh, and we were trying to figure out whether Lorca is a bad guy or if this is just supposed to be you know a dark turn this is a, how a captain acts in time of war but I, I think you know I think after seeing this episode where he sort of goes off and you know clearly is more than happy to not go rescue the admiral after quite happily sending her off into a war zone i think there's very little doubt about what kind of person Lorca is now i i think the mystery is gone and, and we're dealing with a with a bad guy i think i do i do like a bad guy we're supposed to love and respect no him, i don't so. think so I, I think i think he's played his heel card at this point i mean you know we already established that he's sort of got that you know i do anything to win kind of attitude but in this case right that it's now turned into a mania he's willing to basically 
basically, you know, take the chance that the Admiral is going to get killed, tortured or otherwise, uh, just because he wants to protect his command because he thinks that's the best way to win the war is if he's in command. But that's So what does that say about our hero, Michael Burnham, who's been, you know, given put on this redemption arc by him pretty much, right? Well, and that's going to lead to more questions for her, I think. Yeah, for her to, to her, her for her to ask or for uh, questions about her? Well, you know, she's already run up against it last week in uh, the previous episode where she was trying to reconcile, you know, can we continue to torture this poor tardigrade in order right. to keep the, the spore drive running? Uh, and she makes the decision to set the, the tardigrade free. You know, as we start getting into more and more, well, we'll call them ethically questionable behavior by the, by the captain, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, she ran afoul of her previous captain when she tried to do what she thought was the right thing and question her captain's behavior and tried to mutiny basically and so now she's going to be put in the situation where she's going to be probably having to face off against this captain making questionable decisions that she may not agree with so we have to ask what what she's going to do now yeah and it's all based on bad advice she gets from Sarek yeah who is not going to win any father of the year awards anytime soon no no <laughs> so I view the two and I, I do agree that like Sarek uh, turned heel um, as you mentioned there sort of like um, from wrestling days when Hulk Hogan the hero oh yeah Hollywood Hogan and became a went from a face to a heel that's it um, I think Michael Burnham and Gabriel Lorca are going to be essentially two halves of the same coin here where they're going to be joined to the hip where they're both fundamentally broken people but they're broken in different ways right so she has you know, all sorts of trauma from her past and losing her parents and and growing up in a Vulcan society that says hey why don't you suppress all those terrible emotions you feel that's a good idea um, and, and that you know comes out when it comes to uh, to the Klingons and I think it'll be her redemptive arc that sort of parallels but is yet the opposite of Lorca's where you know he's brown and is sort of like uh, you know he plays by his own rules but he's basically a good guy he wants to win the war and he I think he'll just get darker and darker and make ever more and more um, kind of decisions that are doing the right things for the wrong reasons right yeah. like I don't think he necessarily <laughs> Uh, you know, any other choice would want the Admiral to be out or die or whatever, but it was like, well, if you look at my logic of, we need to win this war, the only way you can win this war is if the Discovery is doing all that it can, and it can only do all that it can if I continue to be the captain of this ship. Yeah, that's that's unhealthy mm-hmm. egomania is what that is. Right, right. <laughs> and so, you know, Michael Burnham, you mentioned the Tardigrade, right, where she is sort of doing in many respects like the opposite of, of, of what she was doing before, where she was full-on willing to to mutiny against her own uh, captain to try to uh, attack the Klingons first uh, for what she believed was the right reasons. And here she has an opportunity with the Tardigrade to, you know, they, they could have just like kept on torturing that thing. Like it was a, like a necessary evil for the war is the way that even Saru was, was looking at it, right? When he wanted to get the captain back. Um, I'm not saying I agree with that point of view, but I could understand how people might say, hey, this one entity that we're not even really sure exactly what it is, it's not like a person per se. It's not obviously, you know, talking back to us and or, or screaming and say, please, you know, stop torturing me. You can see how people might say, well, look at how many other individuals we'll save. We'll save billions by uh, you know, using this creature to full effect. Yeah. And the old ends justify the means argument is just never going to go well. Times of war or otherwise, you know, that, that attitude has been used throughout history to justify uh, unconscionable actions. And in this case, you know, they're talking about torturing a sentient creature and, you know, uh, again, Lorca's shown he's a willingness to, uh, you know, commit, you know, some 
some pretty questionable acts in the name of, well, it's it's for the greater good. Right, right. But it's interesting, though, you know, like, I know you guys are jaded by your, your or you're influenced by your following Picard and Riker and, and that kind of stuff. But I keep in mind that, you know, Admiral Kirk has always tried to undermine his orders and get back into the captain's chair, quote unquote. That's sort of his modus operandi for the whole of the Star Trek, you know, original series um, team, if you want to call it that, right? Yeah. Um, and it's Lorca is sort of the same way. He's, it seems to be that there's some sort of um, possession with the ship or the captain's chair that's, you know, that runs through these two characters, right? So there's a parallel there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, Janeway's not like that. And, and uh, you know, uh, Cisco's not like that with Deep Space Nine. And uh, at least I don't think he was, right? And uh, Picard certainly isn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we've just had a run of sort of that, you know, nobler, you know, higher class. I mean, th- this gets back into the discussion. I think we sort of touched on a little bit about, you know, dark Trek, you know, as we start getting into this world where, you know, I, I found my the parallel I was thinking about last week, uh, you know, after we had our discussion was, you know, it's the it's the Jason Bourne, James Bond effect. So James Bond has a certain 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 levity to it uh, all the way up until the Pierce Brosnan era where, right, you know, right. it's a it has, you know, action, it has violence, it has, you know, suspense, but it's always got this sort of sense of humor. It's got this playfulness to it. And then we get the Jason Bourne films and the Jason Bourne films just take it, take that spy thriller to a different place where it's real yeah, and it's grounded and it's gritty. And and of course, those are wonderful films. Uh, but then we end up with the newer generation James Bond films and we end up with, again, a much more gritty, grounded, less playful, more, more intense kind of thing. And I just can't help but think, you know, since the last time we had Star Trek on the air, you know, went off and went off the air, you know, what was it, 12 years ago? You know, we've gone through a whole era of sci-fi that has been real and grounded and dark uh-huh. and and full of anti-heroes and and questionable behavior and really got into you know morals and ethics and decision making and and you know grounded in and like we talked about before grounded in reality based on you know war and torture and policy and all these different things it makes me think about you know well is this is this just what 12 years of no trek and then trek gives you is it is it that dark I reflection guess, yeah. is, are we in the mirror universe what happened here i guess i get well so i mean like <laughs> to that point i mean star trek's always sort of been an ivory tower i mean the the original series was the ivory tower from the point of view that you know they they had the prime directive and they weren't trying to in- interfere and yet they were trying to sp- spread democracy in the american way across every every society they ran across and then when you get to the picard era next generation um you know they're they're so ivory towerish it's practically up their butts right yep. um, the first couple of series couple of seasons of, of star trek are, are pretty dry right from that perspective um you know and it's not until they get out and you get characters like quark or or q q was a great character too right sure because he just turned it on its head every time he showed up right um you know and yeah so and and even voyager was was kind of you know squeaky clean in a certain sense right yeah although they they made those you know some of those more questionable decisions based on you know hey if we're trying to get home will we make questionable decisions to get ourselves home you know they start on a very altruistic path of you know well we'll do no harm but then they do make right. some decisions that are a little you know sketchier as they go but you know the thing that i loved about trek and the thing i love about trek to this day compared to so many other science fictions was that it did have itself it envisioned a better state for humanity that led to a better state for humanity's role in the universe it right. wanted yeah. to envision a better future for humanity we'd risen above our own personal squabbles we'd managed to get our stuff together here on the planet and actually get out there and start you know exploring the world exploring the universe you know i like the idea that 
that we had risen above. Whereas, you know, this, this feels like we're getting back into the muck a little bit, you know, like, again, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to, you know, just sit here and fill the show full of holes. I, I enjoy it. I think it's really interesting, but I don't know. I, maybe I, I think I had gotten used to this universe being more hopeful. And this feels like right, it's a little, right. you know, like uh, I think Jaime mentioned it a few episodes ago, that arc on Deep Space Nine where they went to war with the Dominion and things got dark right. and real and you saw this sort of, you know, what would it be like if this sort of, you know, spacefaring, adventuring group of scientists had to really dig in and fight a war? And that was really interesting. And this feels a little more rooted in that of, you know, hey, this is, this is you know, put sciences on hold. We're going to do what we need. And maybe that's what we're supposed to take from this. But yeah, it just, it feels, you know, in a, in a, in a 2017 that has been dark in the real world, I, maybe I wanted a little more hope from my track. Maybe I wanted a little more, right. yeah. a little more ivory tower. And maybe that's why I think all three of us are responding so well to the Orville is that maybe <laughs> it's giving us that, that trek that we were looking for. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's, um, what was I going to say about that? It's, it's the walking dead influence on this type of thing, right? Cause it's not the whole premise behind this is that they can tell these long arc stories that will take a whole season to flesh out. Right. Rather than, you know, having a problem or resolving it in 40 minutes. Right. Which is kind of where the Orville is right now. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's no sort of, you know, each, each story uh, is episodical, episodic, and it should be, you know, ingested in one sitting. Right. Yeah. Whereas, you know, this thing we, you know, we need to keep coming back in this sort of serial adventure to find out what is really going to happen with, you know, uh, with Cornwall and with, uh, Volk and, um, Lorca and, you know, Burnham and Tilly and, and we talked Ash. last, we talked last week yeah. about the Netflix model, right? So, you know, here in Canada, it's airing on Space Channel and the United States, it's on CBS All Access. The rest right. of the world's getting this on Netflix. I really do wonder how this experience will be taken in when you can just sit down and watch the entire season of this in one go on Netflix. Well, will they get, are they getting it now or are they getting no, it all? No, I think they're getting week by week, the same way they're doing some of the CW shows and, and some of that other content. I think they're doing week by week. Right. It's also on Crave TV here in Canada, by the way. Okay. So, yeah. again, it just it, it does make me think, like, I wonder how this will bear out, because we're watching it week by week and that's giving us time, just like Game of Thrones, right? We're getting it week by week and really having to think it through. Yeah. When we're used to yeah. this instant model where you're like, hey, here's 14 episodes of Daredevil. Here's 14 episodes of Jessica Jones. Here's 14 episodes of Luke Cage. You know, I wonder once you get that whole run of this series, if it'll read completely differently, if you're actually just going back to back to back on this for your first view, as opposed to watching it week to week to week. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's one of the things I think about a lot is when how many people do you think actually just sit down and binge these shows, right? I mean, Jaime, you talk about doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Like with spending a weekend with you and your girlfriend just absorbing some stuff, right? Rather than letting it process for over a period of time, right? Right. It's like a difference between reading a book and, and watching a movie, right? In a movie, you get it all at once and it's, it's quick and painless. And with a book, you have to sort of, you know, find the time to read it and pour through it. And they talk about the, you know, the patina on the doorknob as you, as the person reaches to open the creaky hinge and, you know, <laughs> you don't get that in a movie, right? Yeah, so it's all about creaky hinges. Can I can I ask uh, just one more thing? And we didn't get into it last week, but I I, I kind of want to get your take sure. on this, and I really want to get Jaime's take on this. But uh, mm-hmm. so so Ash Tyler spy yeah spy. <laughs> so uh, we already said spoiler <laughs> warning, so that's good. Now I think we're going into speculative warning. Oh okay, yeah, so, we so, don't know for certain. I, I gave I gave you guys a heads up last week when I like literally this is like what going to see a movie with Jonathan is like you'll 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 go oh my god the big reveal happens and you look over 
read him. He's like, yeah, I, an hour ago, I figured that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm very similar. I, I, I do the same things, and, and um, sometimes I'll like write it down. Yeah, and then yeah. bring out the papers. Like, see, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen based on yeah. what I saw there. The number of times I wish I'd had that with me, Jaime, where I could just say, you know, at this time I wrote this down. Uh, yeah, it infuriates Tim and my wife to no end that I. I okay, so spy for who? Klingons. He's he's. I, I just I got that vibe when he was on the ship with Lorca mm. when he was on the torture ship with Lorca and you know the way that he's sort of ingratiated himself with Lorca and he's gotten himself into this key position I just and he mentions when he's on this the prison ship that the way that he survived was that the Klingon took a liking to him and that means they spent lots of time together and I, I started finding myself thinking well okay so there's a couple of possibilities one he's uh, an altered uh, Klingon or two that he's been in some capacity no I, well I mean if Harry if Harry Mudd could have a relationship with the Klingons that's, you know, somewhat um, congenial in, in terms of having a relationship with Klingons could be, right? Then clearly Ash could too. You're totally right. And, and if I, like when, when Lorca first gets thrown into the pen, Ash isn't in the pen with them, is he? Like, I don't remember yeah, him. No, he is. He is. Oh, no, they bring oh. him in. You're right. No, they do. They, they bring him in. There's It's just the one guy lying on the floor and Harry and Lorca, and then they bring Ash. In. Right. So who knows where he was and what he was being set up for. I just... Uh, I don't know. He's giving me a hinky vibe. I don't know. I don't know how to how to put my finger on exactly what it is, but it seems like uh, uh, he's been contrived to be in all these convenient ways. Exactly what Lorca was looking for. He was looking for a Starfleet sure, officer he yeah. could trust. He was looking for a guy who could fill the security role. He was looking for, you know, maybe I've just watched too much TV, but I just find myself looking at him thinking, spy, 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 spy. Well, and now, and now, when you see his relationship with with Michael Burnham, like in in this last episode, you know, sticks his hand out in her face like like you know the smarmy salesperson kind of guy right like yeah like trying too hard right because and again maybe, like, maybe i should be taking it at face value maybe it's just my experience is uh you know maybe i'm just not not a trusting person but i just found myself thinking yeah I, I keep my eye on the guy who was that long in the custody of the klingons i don't know that i'd be uh handing him a phaser and telling him to stand next to me uh you know quite as readily as i think Lorca is but then Lorca again we've already established you know he's a means to an end kind of character he's thinking this guy you know what he had my back on the Klingon ship. I think I can trust him. I need a guy to fill this role. In the same way that he's willing to take a chance on Burnham, I guess he's just like, hey, this guy fits the mold, but maybe that's naive. Right, right. Well, listen, we really need to get to our picks or pick, if you want to call it that. Um, so can we just spend the next uh, 10 minutes or so talking about the trailer? Oh, yes. Trailer. We've been waiting for weeks to do this. Yes. Tommy. Yeah. The, the, the trailer for Star Wars Wars the Last Jedi kind of came out inconveniently for our right. uh, for our production schedule. And so I think we had a rather uh, filled um, episode, and then I was gone for the the, the next one. So yeah, um, I think by now, hopefully, people have seen it. We probably have it in the show notes before, and if not, we can probably put it again um, if you can yeah. it on YouTube. Um, seems like a pretty interesting sort of setup here, and there are definitely parallels, at least from you know the way the trailer is constructed. Right. Yeah. Very Empire Strikes Back sort of uh, style. Um, similar to the way that the Force Awakens, at the very least, uh, mirrors a lot of what's going on under No Hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I, I know some people are sort of people have criticized the, the Force Awakens for sort of um, reflecting off of the, A New Hope, right? Because um, it, it's, it's practically the same plot as what they say. Uh, it, you know, we all know it isn't really, but um, and you know the scenes that we've seen of this, you know, 
know, the train, the Jedi training, um, these mysterious quotes that they have Mark Hamill saying in, you know, in the voiceover. Mind you, he was a voiceover in the original trailer for uh, Force Awakens, even though he wasn't really in the movie at all, right? Didn't have a spoken word. Mm-hmm. But, um, and sort of the, you know, the, the, the way they look upon Doom with, uh, with uh, um, Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. playing um, 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 Leia, right? The fact that, you know, they kind of almost imply, like, if you were to, if you were to say, okay, what is this movie going to be about based on what you're seeing in the trailer? You know, um, uh, what's our, our friend's name? Um, ben? Uh, Kylo? Kylo Ren, yeah. Kylo Ren's, you know, clearly got a, a, on a mission to clear his emotional connections to the universe away. You know, got rid of his father in the first one. Spoilers for you if you haven't seen that one. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... Um, so now he's got to come after his mother, who happens to be a high, high, high-ranking high general in the uh, Rebellion Army, right? So, Rebellion... rebellion? Whatever resistance. Yes. That's how they confusingly called it in this one. Yeah. Really? Yeah, the really? resistance. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not to be confused with the Republic. <laughs> they just going to throw more R's right. at us every time. Right. right. Or the Maquis, even. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do you think, Mr. Jonathan Kuline? I, you know, I think the part that really, like, so many cool things. I mean, it was a great trailer. I love that it didn't spoil. I don't know what the movie's about. I love that I don't know what the movie's about. So many trailers are terrible. They give away too much. This one gave me exactly what I wanted. A bunch of really beautiful Star Wars world visuals, beautiful contrast, the colors, the contrast of Ray and Kylo. I thought that was great. Uh, you know, some nice little teasers for these little bits and pieces. Uh, but I, I don't feel like I know, I don't know what Finn's up to. I don't know what, uh, Poe Dameron's up to. I don't know beyond the fact that I get that, you know, eventually Luke must train Ray in some capacity, which I think we could have put two and two together on without even seeing a trailer on this. I, I don't feel like I know what's going on. And that's great. I'm, I'm really excited about the fact that I'm going in. But my favorite part of that trailer, uh, uh, beyond a screaming porg, my favorite part <laughs> of that trailer is a line that I'm sure Mark Hamill is delivering to me and not Luke Skywalker <laughs> delivering to everybody. And it's when he says, this is not going to go the way you think. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he's clearly speaking to, uh, you know, someone who is, you know, is, is either Ray when he's trying to get her to help, uh, get her, get him to help her or he's speaking to, you know, Kylo when he's confronting him or something. But I love the way that they phrase that in there because they're showing you all these visuals and they're showing you these things and some of them are clearly fake out. Some of those scenes do not line up the way that they've got them cut, but it's really good. It's really good editing. But I found that to be a really telling statement where they're, they're it almost feels like misdirection, which is fantastic. Like, I want that. I'd rather mm-hmm. have that mm-hmm. than be like spoon-fed every little detail. And, you know, like, I, I, don't, I feel like there's so many movies I don't need to go see. You know, like, I feel like I've watched Thor Ragnarok already, you know, like, right. yeah, 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 you know, it looks funny and I'm sure it's going to be a great movie, but, you know, I've already seen 20 minutes of footage, but by the time you add all the trailers together and teasers and little bits and pieces, you know, Star Wars, I've seen, you know, just little snippets and little, 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 little moose bushes, you know, I just want like a little taste. Right. Oh, yeah. hey, yeah. they've done something funky with the Adats. Oh, hey, look, there's Poe Dameron. He's got this badass rocket on the back of his X-Wing. You know, oh, hey, cool. Their snow troopers are back. You know, Kylo's got a lightsaber. You know, Luke's hand is, you know, is all, you know, mechanical again. You know, the books, what are the mirrored books on the shelves? It's all these little sort of, you know, it just raises 
raises questions. It's tantalizing. I, I love it. I love it. Sure. And it's also the lightsaber that he lost in uh, in Empire Strikes Back Absolutely. when he got his hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that his father used to smite a bunch of small children once. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Clearing out the deck. You know, yeah. we saw Phasma come back. You know, a little taste yeah. of everybody. Yeah. You know, some weird looking crystal foxes and stuff. You know, like you know, yeah, you you know, you nailed it. Leia looks like you know, bad things are headed her way. You know, Ray at right. one point maybe being tortured or something. You know, like lots of little scenes where you're like, what's going on? I just I, I gotta go see this movie. When when's why isn't it December fifteenth yet? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and our, who's our arch enemy that that Andy Circus plays? Snoke. Snoke, and we see him in the flesh too, right? He's actually actually in the room. Yeah, right? we so. actually seems seems like we get a glimpse, and it it looks an awful lot like from the way they've cut it. It looks like maybe he's the one doing the torturing on uh, on Ray at one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, an interesting you know makes you wonder what how that comes to pass. I'd like to see how you know all that pieces together. And yeah, I mean this this is exciting. I'm I, you know I, I think you know this this was the perfect amount of trailer. I, I hope that there aren't you know a deluge. I'm sure there will still be TV commercials and stuff maybe a few more scenes here and there but uh you know i i think this is the perfect amount of star wars to get me ready for more star wars sure sure let me ask you a quick question which is your favorite trailer of all the star wars that you've seen favorite trailer hmm. that's an interesting one um see i know i know what mine is I, okay so granted i'm not sure if i've seen like the actual original trailers beyond the first one for the original star wars a new hope uh, which is which is a terrible trailer by the way yeah 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 um, <laughs> save your corner <laughs> but from the ones i can actually remember i think i think i like the oh heavens this is going to be hard because episode one definitely started the whole like teasers upon teasers upon teasers, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. the official ones so i'm probably going to mess this up i think it's the first official trailer for the phantom menace is mm-hmm. like fantastic like that that really gets you pumped for for a movie mm-hmm. and then what do you think john i i, I really like the theory the very first teaser for phantom menace where yeah that's... it throws you a bunch of visuals but gives you nothing I thought that I thought that would again, you know, in retrospect, I thought that was going to be an amazing movie just based on yeah. the trailer. So mm-hmm. again, yeah. it was just these little tastes of Star Wars where you're like, holy man, I can't believe Star Wars is back. They're going to do the prequels. This is going to be amazing. Now, little did we know what we're going to get really was Misa really make bad characters. Misa but- telling you what's going <laughs> to be. Yeah. yeah. But boy, that trailer where they, they start with that steamy scene where they're in the jungles yeah, on in the fog. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh man, that's the same one I'm, so I'm thinking of as well. Yeah, that was the teaser, teaser trailer, I mean, yeah. Oh, was it a teaser? See, this is where I got confused because yeah. they've had so many, and then there's like the first TV spots that are be you know 30 seconds and so on. Um, I think yeah. a close number two is the I think it's the first full trailer for The Force Awakens, the one where they have um, Han Solo and Chewbacca come out. Yeah, Chewie were home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where everybody started doing these YouTube reaction videos of like people being excited when that moment happened <laughs> they yeah. spliced in um uh matthew mcconaughey's character from interstellar where he's spoilers for that movie by the way he's watching you know videos from like his children that have sent him stuff while he's in space and he's like crying and <laughs> yeah. he's watching the trailer and crying. <laughs> yeah did you guys see the uh, never-ending Porg memes online this week? No, no. Oh, I don't know if I've seen the same ones, but I've seen so many different uh, oh, Photoshopped variants that people social have. Social media had so much fun with the Porgs this week. The best one, my favorite one, was the one where they weaved the Porg into Donald Trump's hair. Oh, it's just <laughs> so good. But there was a whole huge series of people just could not resist, because they are polarizing little beasties already. People, Where did the Porg come from? I mean, 
are they from the cartoons or something? No, or? I think I think the idea is that they're supposed to be indigenous to the planet Octo. I think it's called that. Uh, that mm. Luke's on, and because you see them on the oh, right. Falcon, you see them with Chewie. I think they're supposed to have been on that uh, island that they're on, and they somehow end up on the ship, and they end up coming with them. And so they're the twenty cent twenty seventeen um, Ewoks. Yeah, you know, or are they the Tribbles? It's a funny thing, you know. I, I you know, if you remember how we all felt when we saw BB-8 in that first trailer for Force Awakens, yeah. I think there yeah. was an immediate, uh, like, oh my God, R2-T2 no, yeah. and a soccer ball had a kid, and I don't know if I'm into this. Yeah. Yep. And yep. I think we were all really hesitant, but he was charming. Like, there's, yeah. undeniably, that character was really likable. He was just enough, you know? Now, he wasn't cloying. He was just kind of fun. He has got the lighter. I mean, it was fun. I- I'm reserving judgment on the Porgs because of how well they managed BB-8. They didn't ram it down your throat. Yes, it was right. clearly a merchandising play. You know, how many BB-8 toys did they sell? Of course. They're going to sell Good pork way. toys. I saw pork toys when I was out with my kids the other day. They're already selling pork toys and they're going to do lots of that. Really? And lots of people are going to want pork toys. But maybe they'll just give us a little sousan of pork and we're not going to get buried in them like we did Ewoks and Jar Jar and, you know, some of these other choices they've made. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it'll be okay. But then we thought Phantom Menace and, and some of those prequels are going to be okay. So Right, right. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I had a pick this week. I had a pick. I have a book. Oh, did you? Well, you can still go. There's still time. I got a pick. Your pick in. I got a pick. So in honor of the return of The Walking Dead this week, and it's 100th episode, if you can believe it, the 100th episode was the first episode that aired on Sunday. Uh, not not necessarily their best episode, but it was it was the 100th episode. Uh, so Image Comics has been doing this uh, series inside of a magazine they publish monthly called Image Plus, and it's been called uh, The Walking Dead, Here's Negan. And it is the origin story of Negan, the character that is being played no way. on really? The Walking dead for the last season plus uh so they actually give you this they've been giving it to you in five pages a month and it took like 10 or 11 months for them to get this whole story out so i've been reading it in the serialized form as you know comic nerds like me do uh but they've just released a collected edition so if people want to cut through all that and they just want to get the collection uh the who is negan collection uh sorry here here's negan is what's called has just arrived in stores i think this week and uh for 20 bucks you can find out this lovely little hardcover you can find out where he got the name lucille from where mm-hmm. his bat i know where you, got you can it. find yeah. out where the bat came from you can find oh, out really? where the barbed wire comes from you can find out what he did for a living you can find out where he gets the jacket you can find out how he amasses his troops you can find out when he meets some key characters uh it's it's really it's really good it's really interesting to 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 see somebody i mean we start with him in in the pre-walking dead world and we get a taste of who he was and what kind of person he was before before, and we get to see how he ends up in, in, as this, you know, hard as nails, uh, charismatic, but clearly psychopathic character that we're now seeing antagonizing Rick and his group in, in The Walking Dead. And, and it's really, it's really well worth a read for. Uh, the nice thing is, even if you're not up to date on The Walking Dead comics, this story stands alone. You could read this and you would not need to know what's going on in the continuity of the comics, uh, which are significantly ahead of where we are in the TV show. Uh, it, it's just a great read for anybody who's a fan of this stuff cool so let me guess he's a physics teacher right uh well you're close he is a teacher <laughs> i'll leave it at that and that's uh, high school or grade that's school? not too hardcore a, a oh. spoiler because that's actually right the very very beginning of the book but 
uh, yeah, wow. he, he is, uh, he is, uh, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be a big surprise to tell people that he was a teacher, but, uh, really, but hmm. a very interesting, especially the way they un- unfolded it over those, you know, serialized stories to really give you these little tastes of, of it, it pasted out, which actually felt like you were traveling through his timeline from going from a regular person, more or less to becoming this monster who he becomes, who bashes people's right. brains in with the baseball bat. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, well, he doesn't, ha- you know, he doesn't have to bash their brains in to be a monster. I mean, seriously. Well, I mean, like we he, established in the show, you know, he's, you know, he, he tortures people. He, you know, yeah, takes yeah. their no, wives he's away. A, he's a great manipulator, right? That's, that's what, that's what's evil about Negan is not so much the physical, the, it's the emotional, um, uh, abuse that he does, hurls on people. Right? Yeah. And, it, you know, and it's funny because he gets portrayed in the show, uh, you know, in the comic very much the same way as the show. He's funny and he's charismatic and he's charming and he's, he's got this way about him that makes him, you know, he's got that smirk and the smile that's, you know, it's a little bit compelling while at the same time being creepy as hell. Uh, you know, obviously captured really well on the show, uh, you know, brought to life. Uh, but, but you know, in the comics, he's got that same charisma where you sort of find yourself, you know, both alternately, you know, thinking like, oh, it'd be a shame if this guy, you know, gets his brains blown out because he's just, a, he's a very likable in his villain mm-hmm. kind of character. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan, of course, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's just, uh, he's just drowning himself in this character. You know, he's having so much fun yeah, being yeah. this huge bugger. So, so I have a spoiler question. Jaime, have you seen much of Negan so far? <laughs> Only a, a few bits. And um, I think the main scene I remember watching because it was randomly on, probably it was one when AMC was doing its holiday um, marathon. So I think I turned it on at some point and then saw a couple episodes. I think it was where they, they first go to his, I don't know, camp or fortress compound, whatever it is. And there, and he's explaining that, like, if you just say, you know, you say that you are Negan, you can live like a king. Otherwise, bad things happen to you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it seemed fairly reasonable. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm totally saying I'm Negan. <laughs> That's not a hard choice at all. <laughs> well, he's basically people to give up their free will, right? You know, basically, yeah. you are whatever I say you are. You are me. I ask you to do something. I'm not asking you. You are me, and you'll do what you're told. It's you know, it's a pretty dark, you know, a dark world that this guy has envisioned for his future in this you know post-apocalypse but but uh yeah i mean it, he he really goes some interesting places I, I i can't say i encourage you to watch it jaime because it last season had some really uh yeah. dark yeah. dark 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 turns and it, it was hard to watch at times it felt a little torture porny but uh but then you know again jeffrey dean morgan is is a, a really terrific actor I've, I've actually had the opportunity to interview him before and uh he's as undeniably likable as a person he's undeniably uh enjoyable as this character and uh you know it's hard not to watch you just kind of want to see what somebody this twisted and full of himself is going to do next yeah 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 i thought when i first saw him on on the show i thought i'm done watching the show that's how bad it was well his debut was uh maybe one of the darkest things we've seen on television in the last few years that the the first episode where he makes his appearance in in the flesh is uh it's that's that's an upsetting hour of television it's it's really mm-hmm. really dark mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. to the point where again and i've been reading this comic since its debut i've, I've I'm, i was a day oneer because of my uh, interest in the genre uh but yeah i to see that brought to life in such vivid form was was really really hard to take and, and i knew where exactly where it was going having read the books and everything but wow yeah it was that was that was hard to watch you know they just did it they just did a um uh on the comic book 
episode that just passed. They did a, a all Walking Dead special. Oh, nice! And they were talking about you know number one and the there's a Negan the one where they introduced Negan. It's just you know it's a special print with the black cover and just the bat and Lucille on the front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and a couple of the compendium books as well, right? Yeah, so yeah, Omnipedia is a really cool or Omnibus. Omnibus, yeah. So yeah, and and the, the cash they were fetching for these things was amazing, right? So oh no, it's 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 become this huge industry. I mean, Robert Robert Kirkman uh, has become a very very wealthy person based on this. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he's uh, you know he's he's got a gold mine going. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, The Walking Dead is, is being called the number one show on television. Right? Now it's In funny because I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, the ratings for the first episode that debuted the other day were not good. Like really, oh, uh, they took they took a fair tumble. I think they said it was the worst season debuted since season three. Did you catch it? I, mm. I did. I did. I watched it uh, just right after it aired on Sunday night. I watched it before yeah. uh, before I had to head to bed. But yeah, I found it. I found it not up to par as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I don't think it was the strongest debut. Uh, you know, it was certainly you know. I, I get where they were going. I thought some of the, I thought it was really well shot. I thought it was really well filmed. I thought it was one of the most interesting visually episodes they'd done in a while. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. as far as advancing the plot and going places and, and giving me those moments that I come to expect from the show, as far as, you know, surprise and characters and, and going places, uh, I, I felt like it was a bit of a standstill, you know, it yeah. didn't really jump off of, you know, for when they were promising us is, is, is what they're calling the season is all out war. Uh, yeah. it, it, it really felt like a minor skirmish as opposed to an all-out war from episode one now obviously uh you know if you're gonna burn seven episodes and then have a winter break and then do another seven or eight episodes you can burn a few yeah, episodes but you, you think you want to come strong out of the gate so that's true and i i regret not having like they they show it on amc the like the previous one like they showed the the finale and then you could so i could have watched the finale and then watch this one and i kind of regret that i didn't because i don't remember as much as i should have but it was kind of like you know when they and spoilers for people who haven't seen it but when they go to the camp when they go to the door as it were and they're they've got their guns pointed at, at negan and you know six of his lieutenants or five of his lieutenants i always got the impression that negan's group were like well entrenched all across like a vast area you know and they weren't like why like he's not stupid enough to put everybody in one place right which is i found really odd in that you know that scene where they kind of sort of think they've got him quote-unquote cornered right yeah yeah, yeah. I, I found that unbel- unpl- implausible yeah i mean and the, it was an interesting episode in the way they sort of paced it out they were obviously sort of they had this plan they were trying to execute and they sort of follow along yeah. on that and you know there was some interesting sort of threads there but it, I, I do find that they've managed to increase the scope of this world the last season or two where you know there's more than one community and there's lots of more characters right yeah yeah but it, it was you're right i think it was hard to get a sense of scale and scope as far as how big the enemy territory is and and yeah. you know i think we got the impression from the end of the last season when we see negan standing on his uh parapet saying you know hey we're gonna go to all-out war and you see a bunch of bad guys standing there with guns that, that he's got a lot of guys in his camp but yeah i don't think that we really have a sense of you know how far they spread where their territory is how close is it yeah. to the different but i mean the build-up over the last two seasons like you know how they they kind of like you didn't see negan for like
like you know till I think the very last episode of of the last last year, right? If I'm not mistaken, uh, right? Your previous, yeah, because it was the previous, yeah. But but there was a buildup of almost a whole season, or maybe a season and a half, of people saying, you know, I am Negan, I am Negan, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Or wait till Negan finds out about this, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean he's been this larger than life specter in their world, and now he's uh, again, obviously his debut was what we talked about. It was a very very dark turn, uh, cost a couple of key players their lives, and uh, and and sort of went from there and into this world of uh you know things just getting darker and darker and darker for our heroes last season like i say uh you know i i wouldn't advocate necessarily anybody who's you know feeling down on themselves to sit and watch that as a marathon session i don't i don't think that could be very good for your health but uh you know but again some interesting moments mixed in there some interesting character development as the shows you know again it's it's all overall it's always been a strong show but uh it'll be interesting to see how they turn that corner and and we start to see our heroes rising up against this sort of uh the tyranny of negan who uh you know clearly is it's a my way or the highway or uh you know a baseball bat upside your head with barbed wire if you don't do what you're told so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they pull that back into our heroes actually making some gains this year so let's call it a night there. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get a hold of you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. And Jonathan, where would they find you? I am JPK News on Twitter. Alrighty. And as I usually say at the top of the show, I am Timitra, T I M M I T R A, on Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpockCast website at SpockCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpockCast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. I got ahead of myself. I actually uh, planned ahead and did the two of them this week. Yeah, I see that. Oh, I'm on the ball. I, I was thinking, you know, Jaime should do the fact check for the one you and I did last week, you know, just to, <laughs> just to rub our noses in it. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't uh, really prepared for that. Oh, you got seven in. How did you get episode seven in here already? Oh, I'm on it, man. Wow. Like I said, I was I was in the groove, so I was just like, all right. Oh, that's right. I gotta look at- yeah, but nevertheless, even if I wasn't doing fact checking, I was uh, shaking my fist while driving. Um, Were you listening to the show a handful of times? Oh yeah, what did, what yeah, did we do? It, it, hmm? What did we do? Oh, when uh, I mean, I mean, I, so shaking the fist is something we say sort of jokingly when uh, shaking your fist at the phone. We have various like yelling um, at your phone. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. either uh, you know other hosts from from the other podcast, or um, sometimes we know that like oh we. 
we, we've probably made a, a terrible mistake. We don't know what the answer is. So I'm sure people are shaking their fist at the at the radio <laughs> yeah. right now while they're listening. Yeah. In this case, the one that stuck out to me was the uh, Mirror Universe stuff. Yeah, I, oh, I really? couldn't remember oh. that until we looked it up. I was like, I, I, I thought I remembered something. Okay, so here's yeah. your chance for redemption. So, so redeem us from from our our misadventure there. What's what's the deal there? Well, I think it's only going to be half credit. Um, but I remembered what I think you were thinking of with regards to Voyager. Oh, with where, the Chicote and the eye patch. What was that? I I remembered something about him. Looking- if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's the one where um, like some copy of the Doctor, I think, is uh, exhumed in the future, like some oh, future society, and they're yeah. talking about like oh the warship Voyager, and they have this whole museum about how Voyager like came in. And destroyed oh, that rings everything. a bell now, yeah. Yeah, so they were all like dark versions, but that's because their history had become corrupted. They didn't know the actual truth that like their whole society was based on a lie. Ah, see, so you've got a better memory than me, man. I, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, I don't have the slightest clue which episode that is, but <laughs> I, I do distinctly remember pieces of that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Siri, Bob. So are you, uh, are we, uh, sliding out of the world of sci-fi from no Orville this week to walking dead? <laughs> that depends. Well, it depends on two things, right? First of all, we've been saving the, uh, the, the banter about the star, star Wars, uh, um, oh, trailer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trailer for when Jaime gets back. That's true. And mm-hmm. the second of all is, okay, now we've seen Blade Runner twice now, yeah. Jaime twice. <laughs> yes. So, but who's, ca- I mean, who's like, like who keeps counting? <laughs> Right, you know. So here, here's, so? here's the most practical way of doing it because I I thought we were going to see um, both the original, well, I guess the final cut edition of Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 last weekend. It didn't work out because, as it turns out, the Sci-Fi Channel um, has done something really weird with it. So we had loaded the Sci-Fi Channel on to our, our Roku device and we watched about you know like five minutes before we decided we'd need to watch it a different day. That was a huge uh-huh. mistake because now that channel doesn't want to load at all on my Roku. And it's literally oh. the only channel that does that, right? Right. And we said, "Oh, well, let's get the apps." Nope the app don't the apps don't have the uh, the Blade Runner movies. So, hmm, that's kind of weird. Well, let me go to the website. Maybe the website has like a more expanded view. No, it really doesn't. So, <laughs> just pack them what? <laughs> so, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening here?" And we ran out of time on the weekend. So, I think the most practical way to handle it um, is like maybe we time box it to like you know some certain amount of time, and then I can step away from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't get spoiled on it and then you can slack me when it's time for me to come back oh i see right you're I don't going want to, to hold the it soundproof up for, for booth while we decide what you know like like the newlywed game we'll, we'll put you in the soundproof booth and and uh yeah we've already discussed it too we don't have to go back into it unless you have some uh, huge observations from your second viewing um just that i completely forgot a couple of major plot points but that's the parts, parts you slept point. through the first time yeah no well no that too i didn't sleep through this time this was this was a good thing about yeah. it right so but it, yeah, it was weird. It was IMAX in 2D, but Ultramax in 3D. So we saw it in 2D, which is which is fine. I want you know I did I eventually did want to see it in 2D at some point, but so you get the whole IMAXy you know giant the big big giant heads right, um, and, or you get the 3D you know really cool looking snowflakes and ash and stuff falling down all around you right kind of thing right. So I, I definitely recommend if your people are going to go see it in 3D unless it makes you vomit you know I would recommend people see it in 3D for sure. But here so here's the thing, Jaime. 
I, I, I realize you're trying to you're trying to bring your your girlfriend into into the fold, as it were. I'd actually be interested to see her opinion of the movie, having not seen the original movie, right? Because that's the mm. rare egg right there. Right, right. Yeah, one of you know, the, like a, one of the sci-fi blogs I follow actually, they took two of their millennial staffers and made them watch right. the original, and they oh. were like, eh, it was okay. Like, hey, screw you guys. Like, yeah, yeah. don't come but, at it from now. You can't come at it from now. Objectively, it's not as good as it was 35 years ago. Right, right. Like, ugh. yeah, and like I like I said, when I watch it, I watch the the um, the final cut on my you know 4K TV here, and I don't know, I don't even know if I'm what I'm watching in terms of um, resolution or whatever because I'm sitting across the room from it. But when I watch it, every the original movie, every single frame, you could freeze frame it and make it your desktop wallpaper on your computer, and you would not complain. Like that's how well it was lit, shot, produced, everything. Right? Um, whether or not the you know the floating cars, which are clearly on hoist and stuff like that. Um, work for you or not i mean and the fact that every single um sci-fi movie has has stolen from this original idea right yeah. in terms of looking at though yeah you know you can't watch any any sci-fi tv show today if, if if you watch sci-fi tv show today and like the cups are perfectly clean and all the sets are you know polished smooth you're like that's totally fake right yeah and that's because of the influence of, of blade runner and really scott's interpretation of that and and the, alien. the aliens movie yeah. and and James Cameron stuff as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's an, anyway, cool. What's interesting too is that I, I kind of wonder, you kind of get lost in the new movie in terms of what's practical effects and what's, you know, CGI. There's a lot of kind of mixture there. So when you say get lost, yeah. I thought you were meant because it's three hours long. Well, that too. It's, yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, the, the fortunate thing about having an Apple watch is you can just flick your wrist and, and it lights up and you can see what time it is, right? Yeah. Without, you know, annoying too many people. Um, even as you reach for popcorn, it lights up kind of thing but yeah you know it was i wasn't i i guess i you know i like i said though what i do when i when i see a movie like this that i really 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 want to see and i do the la 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 thing with my fingers in the ears i don't even look at how long it is or whatever yeah. and i try not to watch any interviews with the actors and i think it was yeah. the most interesting thing of watching it was obviously you know you and i are close enough to a generation to be together uh but bringing xavier who's 14 right right and yeah. i said so what'd you think and he said it's the best movie i've seen all year really wow and i said okay so let's let's go through what you've seen this year and i said you know you saw guardians of the galaxy 2 he's like yeah that was good but this was better i said okay well you saw uh you know dunkirk rogue one well no that was last year but i I said you saw dunkirk this year like that's a fabulous movie and he's like you know it's close that's probably the closest but this was better i was like wow that's all right Mm. you know like if it can hold the attention for three hours and like like we talked about two weeks ago it's slow at times like it's really paced yeah. and yeah. measured it's not like you know non-stop it's action. like a novel it's like reading a novel right yeah it's not non-stop action which you'd think a 14 year old would like but then he liked arrival too so i think he i think denny Villeneuve has has a little bit of a magic touch that he can right he can make those kind of movies where you're engrossed even if you're not being bombarded with you know action i mean guardians of the galaxy is the complete antithesis of this right it's just never stopped yeah 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 i mean it's great it's absolutely or the transformer great. movies those ones transformer movies I don't care. They put me to sleep when I'm f- wide awake, you know, because there's just so much going on. You just cannot pay attention. Yeah, I mean, Guardians just... is actually, it's more the wit, right? Like, it's just nonstop, very yeah. rapid. Oh, sorry, my Transformers, yeah, yeah. The Transformers yeah. is like, there's just stuff exploding every five seconds. But yeah, no, I, that, the fact that he liked it, the fact that he had such a strong reaction made me think like, yeah, this is this is something special. This is something, you know, he's, he's yeah. done a really good job here with this film. Yeah, I kind of wonder too, because he just, Xavier just watched uh, the original Blade Runner with me like not even six months ago, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so, so 
and I never did really get a follow up conversation with him about that one, right? So, yeah, he liked that one. He liked the Matrix more. He said you said you showed him the Matrix, yeah. and he liked that one. Oh, did I? Yes. Hmm. He said he saw it hmm. on a CRT TV at the cottage, and he'd like to see it. Oh, he'd not right. like to see yeah. it in HD, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I told him that the reason I bought a blue a DVD player was because of the Matrix, right? Yeah. Just plain and simple. Yeah. Yep. I think that so was yeah, one of the first podcast, obligatory so. DVDs you had to buy, right? All right. By the way, I was watching something on TV the other day, and I gotta, I gotta find out where it was, um, or what show it was, Jaime. But the guy actually said, "and scene, a and d, and scene." Yes, not yeah. and. We were and a discussion as to what what the the proper way to say that was. It's like I get it from him, Amy Poehler on Saturday Night Live, right? Because they always do did it there. But what do you think, Jonathan? What's your we were, what, you can weigh in on did, on and didn't John Lovitz do that with the uh, when he was doing the uh, yes, great actor and scene? Thank Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that may be where it comes from. Yeah. But it's an improv thing as well, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, the one thing about The Walking Dead, I wasn't sure if we we're going to talk about The Walking Dead today, but, you know, if, if it wasn't for The Walking Dead, we wouldn't have Shaniko Martin Green and we wouldn't have Discovery. That's so, it. That's it. There you go. Yep. True. There's the tie in. All right, folks. Hmm? Good talking to you guys. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, bye. Okay, <laughs> bye bye. See you guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.